Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship in Lake City, Texas. I am proud, obviously, here to be in Texas today. I, I love the state of Texas, and uh, I love being here. I believe in freedom. I believe in, obviously, freedom in the spirit, most importantly, but also that personal freedom that we have. As many people have gone before us to obviously provide that freedom, continue to pray for this country, pray for freedom, pray that uh, those rights that we have, the basic rights that we have, uh, would not be taken away, that we actually would be sustained. Uh, we do have, obviously, here in the state, uh, many great things that are happening. And I believe a lot of people from other places are coming here. It appears to be, from what I understand, uh, different country, different states that are that are here. And we know that, obviously, we've got a lot of people crossing the border and so forth. Pray that that situation would be rectified and, and it would bring glory and honor to the Lord. So we're glad you've joined us. We've been talking about in a series about prayer today. And the title of this message is Confidence in Our Prayers. So uh, this is important to understand. You've got to have confidence that God is listening. And I want to assure you today that when you pray, God hears your prayers. And sometimes we think, well, I'm not worthy. No, you're not. Neither am I. Jesus provided that way that we can talk to the Father. We have a Heavenly Father who hears us. He's here with us now through His Spirit. As we invite the Holy Spirit to come, let's pray together. Father, thank You that we can pray. We call on you to speak, and Lord, we know what you say, that you can impart truth to our hearts. And so we ask you, by your Spirit, you would do that today. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us, to move in our midst, to heal us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to restore us, Lord, and heal our hearts. We thank you, Father, today for what you're doing. So, Lord, this is very important in understanding these things, not only that we just kind of intellectually grasp it, yes, but Lord, most of all, that we put it into practice because I can talk about prayer all day long, Lord. But really, it's about whether or not I practice that or not. So help us. Give us grace that we'll be able to just walk in this truth today. And we ask you, Lord, as you make changes in our hearts, help us to recognize that and help us, Lord, to be willing to surrender as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We're going to look at here, first of all, 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to look at a few verses. This particular uh, message actually has several uh, scriptures in it. And I want you to understand what he's saying, because I believe it will really sort of uh, just kind of motivate you and give you momentum in your prayer life. And that's what we want. We want to come back to prayer. It's very important. So we'll look at First John chapter 3, verses 18 through 24. So we'll read it. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that we, he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Amen. You know, I want to talk about that because you've got to have confidence in your prayers. You've got to have confidence when you go before the the throne of grace and know that God hears your prayers and God answers your prayers. It's an understanding. It's important to know that. But we know in anything that we do, obviously, we have to practice it, right? 
because obviously uh, practice, so to speak, makes perfect. We had to practice. So we've got to put into practice what we're talking about here. We've got to be obviously not just hearers of the word, but be ye doers of the word, as the scripture talks about. And let me give you an example. People who play the game of golf, Tom does, and others that have we, you know, we have occasion to know and so forth. They play golf and so forth. And Tom could tell you that he says he gets out on the golf course and he, he he'll hit that ball and he'll he'll go back and then the next time he'll come he'll he'll go back out there and he'll practice again and again. Now, Tom can tell you that he would never ever be as good as he is a golfer. I'm sure he's a great golfer. Okay, I, I certainly could attest to that. But he would say, certainly, without that practice, he would never become the golfer that he is today. And he certainly, again, that's the way it is, right? That's true. And certainly, I know, remember when I played golf a couple times, and I can remember I didn't practice it enough because the first time I got out there, I had trouble getting the ball off of the tee and actually getting it like five feet in front of me. It never would move. I never could hit it like that. Every time I hit it, it would hit the dust just a few feet in front of me. I could never do that. But when I finally hit it, I thought, wow, look at it. There it goes. And what happened was it actually curved around. And I think it broke somebody's winter, uh, window on the uh, fairway. I think somebody, and I left. I quit the game right then. That was it. But I needed more practice because obviously I didn't have, I wasn't able to, to hit the ball and so forth. You watch people playing basketball or you watch people playing baseball and they're really good at it. I mean, they can, what's called, he's shooting from downtown when he hits the hoop from way back there. I mean, it's just amazing what they can do. That's because that person has shot basketball and practiced for a long period of time. It's true about prayer also. You know, when we go, go along, we're listening to the Lord and we want to pray in his will, right? Because we know whatever we ask according to his will, we have what we actually ask for because we're praying in his will. But this scripture here and others are talking about something very important and understanding. All of us in here would say, yes, Jim, I want my prayers answered. And we want to talk about that today because it's very, very simple, but it's something that we have to do. There is a requirement that we need to follow. And certainly God is presenting that to us. Talk about it today. So three principles, I believe, of prayer that really matter. First of all, respect. Now, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father, Abba Father, Romans chapter 8, Daddy God, he's intimate. He, he's personal with us. He wants to. The God of all creation chose to send his only begotten son into the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our Father, Abba Father. And so we come before Him with respect and reverence because He's God Almighty. But we also, we don't fail in coming, do we? And then right behind that is, Hallowed be Thy name. Holy is Your name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty that we just sang about. He is holy and He is majestic and He's awesome and, and He's so powerful and all. And yet, He chose from eternity past knowing that He would send His only begotten Son into the world that we could have a relationship with him. But we should respect him, shouldn't we? We should have reverence. We're talking about the fear of God. We've talked about that before. We should have respect for him. That is certainly should be the focus of our prayer, but also should be focused. We need to be engaged in the process of the prayer, paying attention to God in our conversation with him. Have you ever just prayed and then you got up and you wondered, you can't even remember what you prayed for? It was because you basically probably, or maybe could be, as you've gone through the motions. I've done that before. It's kind of like the Lord praying along and then I got up and, hey, I've finished my religious duty. 
And I get up and it was like the Lord kind of checked my spirit and said, do you know what you just prayed for? And I thought, no, I don't. So we need to focus. We need to know. And we need to obviously, when that time comes, when you're talking to them, we need to focus on upon the Lord. It's very important. This is a very important aspect of prayer. But the also is consistency. We need to pray. We need to pray. I believe that obviously um, revi- revival is preceded by prayer. I believe people praying all over the world today for an awakening that people would return to their God and pro- people would realize how, that He is holy, He's majestic and all, and that He wants the very best for His children. And yet the world has been so enticing. Sometimes the church looks more like the world than the world does because we've prom- compromised and we've done things that we know we shouldn't be. Three aspects of prayer that we want to talk about. But today I want to talk about, obviously, two more aspects, two more principles here in effective prayer. And first of all, is confidence in prayer comes through a clear conscience. If your conscience is there and you don't have a clear conscience, it's going to be hard for you to expect anything from the Lord. How many of you know that? You know that, don't you? If your conscience is bothering you, maybe you haven't said something, you've said, maybe you said something ill to someone or you've done something you feel like you need to, to obviously, something's going on and it's just not right. You can't kind of get past that hurdle, so to speak. And sometimes it's be, because you don't have a clear conscience. We need to have that clear conscience. And so here in 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, it talks about his. He says, whatever we ask, we receive from him because why? We keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You remember, I've always said Jesus in the scriptures said, I only do what pleases the father. I live for one reason, and that is to please my father in heaven. And he also says this, I only do what I see the father doing. He only got instructions from his father and he went out and did those things. You see, he passed by people that needed healing because the father did not tell him to, to, uh, to heal them. Now, later on, we know the disciples came through and there were people that healed that Jesus walked right past. It's because God gave him specific instructions in what to do. And I believe today that obviously Jesus is our model. And we obviously are his disciples and followers of Jesus. And we are to do the things that Jesus did also. He gave us himself as that model here, certainly, and the sacrifice for our sins. But we need to follow his example. And we need to know and hear from the Lord. And so we know here, we're, remember what happened there in John chapter 11 when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead? Remember, he waited and then he traveled in and Lazarus had been uh, dead for a couple of days and and all. And they said, Lord, you're too late. Remember, Mary and Martha, you're late. You're too late. Jesus was saying, no, I'm right right on time. I'm in the perfect timing of the father because he had heard from his father and his father had said, wait, don't go until I give you permission to go. And then because what happened was is because he went expecting Lazarus to be raised from the dead. He prayed. Now, it looked like to me it would be impossible, doesn't it? The man had already died. But Jesus had already heard that word from his father and he went forth and he believed his father and he expected that man to be raised from the dead. You believe it? That's the same way we are. We need to hear from our father. We need to get into word and listen and obviously know and expect God to do something in a situation. Are you praying for a loved one today? We do. We pray for our loved ones. We pray for our families. Then expect something to happen. I always talk to you before you come to church. Are you expecting God to do something here in this corporate setting? Are you believing God for that? Are you believing God to do something? Really, what that expectation 
It's something that sort of stirs our faith to believe God. And then obviously the supernatural takes place. And so we need to come expecting. The same way with prayer. We need to believe God's going to answer our prayers. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes, I don't know about y'all, and I know I may be the only one that does this, but I'll go through my prayers again, and I'll realize that I don't have an expectation, but I'm actually doing what I should be doing as a Christian and certainly as a pastor and so forth. And then I pray through it because this is what I've always done. And we know that we as Christians should pray, don't we? But we need to settle the fact and realize that God hears our prayers and God does something magnificent when we pray. But we've got to obviously have that as a priority in our life. We've got to realize, he says, if you obey my commands and also you live to please the Father, then you can have what you ask for. So Jesus was in such a close relationship with his Father that he knew that what he asked for, he would get what he asked for. And you see, well, you're saying, well, but he was God Almighty. But see, he never operated in his deity while on this earth. He operated in his humanity. He was human. He was a man. And he was deity. He operated out out of being filled with the Holy Spirit and God speaking to him in that manner. See, as God, he could have done it. We know certainly he could have done it. And we would say, well, that's out of my reach because he was God. No, he operated as a man, not in his deity during this time. He was filled there with the Spirit of the Lord at the the baptism at River Jordan. We, too, can expect God to do things as this. And that's not arrogant. But as we get so close in our relationship with the Lord, he's given us a model. He's given us an example of how we're to live our lives also. He obviously in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you. He who believes in me, Jesus is speaking, the works that I do, he'll do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. You're so close to me. You're listening. You're so close. You want God's will more than anything else in your life. And you're listening. And you wonder, obviously, is this God's will and so forth? You see, God wants us to know what his will is. He's not stingy out there holding that back. He wants us to know, but he brings us into a relationship and he knows how to do that perfectly for each one of us because he knows my priorities and your priorities and he will get us in a position to be able to hear what he's saying here. And so if I'm not getting answers to to my prayers, then obviously I should be asking why, what's going on? Do I need to take that golf club, so to speak, and do a little bit more practicing? Do I need to fine tune uh, how I pray? Am, am I listening? Am I really getting alone and getting quiet and hearing what he has to say? And so Jesus is saying, Father, I thank you that you heard me. And I know that you always hear me here. Jesus had spent time on the mountainside listening to the Father. He got his instructions there, I'm sure, probably in the morning or whenever he went for prayer. And then he went forth and did what he knew the Father was telling him to do. He spent that time with the Father. And he always said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He knew that. And he said, I know you'll always hear me here. And so obviously that forms the foundation and also the confidence out of which he cried out with a loud voice in Luke 11. Lazarus, come forth. And he knew he'd walk out that grave. He knew he was dead as a doornail. But he knew he could cry out and say, come on out. Why? Because he had confidence, you see. But see, that's not for just for Jesus. Jesus gives these things, these teaching things for us not to just hear them and then intellectually agree with it because probably all of you here today would say, yes, Jim, I agree with that. 
But I'm talking about where the rubber hits the road. And every day, do we have that confidence that what we pray for, that Jesus is going to answer? He said he will. We have that relationship and doing what he commands, but also obviously doing what pleases the father. That's why we live here. Sometimes I believe in scripture who talks about in Timothy is we have a formula form of God godliness, but also we deny the power thereof. We go through the motions. We have our religions. We have our thoughts about this. We're saved and going to heaven. But sometimes we don't expect anything to happen. But the Bible says, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. And seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. And he says, keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking is what that actually Greek word means. Keep on is continuous tense. Actually means to keep on asking. And we need to do the same. And so the normal biblical Christian life is marked by answered prayer. Marked by answered prayer. Not too long ago, I had some questions, had some concerns, some things that were challenging me, and I asked the Lord. And I really did. I went to Him and I said, Lord, I have no answers for this and I have no way out except that You give me the answers. And then over a period of about two weeks, God began to answer my prayers, one right after the other. And they came up in different ways. God was speaking. You see, He speaks in different ways. He can speak in that still, small voice. He can speak with an impression on your heart. And certainly as he can speak through your mind, although we need to listen to that. Sometimes it may be our own thoughts, but God will teach us how to hear his voice if we'll listen. And he was answering my prayers right on down the line. He did that. I don't know how that and why and necessarily that he did that in the way that he did it. I do know that obviously I knew that I didn't have any way out except what he had to say. I knew that I was incapable of making decisions that I had to make as a result of things the challenges in life and so forth. But God answered my prayers. He wants to do the same thing for each one of us here. And so I'm here with you this morning asking the question, will it, what will make my prayer life more effective? What will make my prayer life more effective? And there's a condition, I believe, attached to the promise when he says, if you keep my commandments and then you do what's pleasing in his sight, what will obviously make my prayer life more, more effective? That is the crux of what we're talking about here. So here is certainly committing your life to the Father, to God Almighty. It begins by making him Lord of your life, making him uh, obviously rule and reign, giving him permission to do whatever he wants with you, to go wherever, to say whatever, and obviously to do whatever he wants to in your life. It gives him permission. That is the condition, actually, of what actually to be able to hear from the Lord. In John chapter 8, verse 29, he said, For I always do those things that please him. Is that true for us? You remember we, in the last few weeks I've talked about walking in the Spirit and not, not fulfilling the desires of the flesh or the lust of the flesh. We're either walking in the Spirit or we're obviously walking in the flesh. One of the two. We're actually doing what we want to do or we listen to the Father and listening, doing what He wants to do because there can't be any in between. And so if you're walking in the Spirit, you're listening to the Spirit, you want to hear from the Spirit, you're willing to do whatever He tells you to do, then He's going to speak to you. He's going to share his heart with you. And it's in relationship. Jesus knew that and he worked, operated perfectly in his father's will. He did that. People got healed. The blind eyes of people got opened and all these supernatural things started happening and answers to prayer took place because he knew with confidence that God heard him and he was going to have what he asked for. Same with us. Not, this is not obviously sometimes something that is uh, abstract to us. This is something that is reality that God wants us to have as we trust in our Heavenly Father. It is possible with each one because we have a covenant relationship with Him. We know that empowers us to live pleasing unto the Lord. In Romans 6, verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, 
for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. We talked about grace this morning a little bit here in, in our worship service here. And so if we have a passionate desire to please the Father, then we know that obviously we're having these things. And then we can listen and we can have confidence because, you know, when we pray and we don't expect anything to happen, it's kind of like maybe something, maybe nothing will happen in that. But we expect things to happen. You know, we've been in dire straits and certainly all of our life, to be honest, because we're, we're obviously dependent upon the Lord. But certainly during the COVID situation, we have been totally dependent upon the Lord. We never knew when it would hit. We knew how we had loved ones that got COVID. A lot, some of you here in the church got it and so forth and all. And we had to be depend upon the Lord. We had to pray with certainty that God would obviously heal and bring us through this with confidence. It wasn't just the fact that obviously we just sort of haphazardly prayed. We need to pray and we need to continue to pray with confidence, you see. The first problem, obviously, in the American church, a lot of times, a lot of times, is not called to higher ground. We're his children, and we should we should obviously walk in through situations in a way that not necessarily seen by the world. We need to look different than the world does. We should do things differently. We're swimming upstream. We're like those salmon there in Alaska. They're going upstream and they're jumping and so forth. We're going against the tide of our culture. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. We're living in an evil time. Okay, now that's not that certainly couldn't. Could be said for all times, but we're leaving. I see evil more and more and more. I see people's hearts being darkened. I see people without Jesus Christ that they, they just seem to be consumed with evil and things. They're doing things that just don't make sense. And when they don't mean, make sense, a lot of times to me, God speaks to me and say, that's demonic. That is a demonic thing that Satan is doing. He's trying to take over. He's trying to do things today in our lives and this country and people's lives and our children's lives. And all our children have been traumatized by all this stuff. And I don't think that obviously many things that we see, whether it be the news media or any of the other ways of communication, social media have helped it one bit. Because they obviously have promoted fear. They promoted obviously helplessness. And we're all going to die somehow. We're all going to get this and so forth. And that's not what the truth is. You see, again, fear is the opposite of faith. We have faith in our God, not arrogantly. We need to do what's precautious. But we're not to be afraid. I'll say it a thousand times. A million times here. When we ask God to sanctify us, to equip us, and to bring us on the higher ground, watch out. Here He does. He'll do that. When you ask God, you want to walk with Him? If your life today, you're in here and you're saying, I want to walk closer with the Lord, and you're asking Him that, He will do that. Watch what happens. When you're saying you want to hear from the Lord better than you have in the past, I want that, so fine-tune my hearing, Lord. He will do that, you see. But it takes, obviously, our choice. And God respects that. He respects, obviously, that we can say no. We can say, stay back, Lord. I don't want to get any closer. But when we get closer to the Lord, then we have more confidence in Him because we see answered prayer. We see answered prayer here a lot, don't we? Isn't it great we see answered prayer? People's answer, God's answer in our prayers. And so to have confidence in God, then we need to draw no close to Him like Jesus did. He knew what the Father was saying. And obviously, we can expect Him to give us help in whatever situation that we're facing in life. Now, the thing is, sometimes we think, well, I've got to get... Testing, testing, there we go. Okay. 
sometimes we think we earn our answers uh, to prayer and so forth. Let me explain to you what that means when he says that if you obey my commands, you do what's pleasing in his sight, then you obviously will have, have answered prayer. Let me explain what that means because we don't earn our answers to prayer. Remember that. Our behavior, obviously, we need to obviously get in line and line our life up as with the plumb line of the Scripture, okay? But it doesn't earn that. God Almighty has earned that for us. So what does this all mean when we talk about that? Is that we position ourselves to receive answers to our prayer. We position. We get in a place where our hearts have one desire, and that is to please the Father. And we place ourselves in that position. But actually, our behavior does not earn our, our answers to prayer. That's good because it's all grace. But God gets us in that place where we can hear God and we can hear the answers that he has for us in that situation. Does that make sense? He puts us in that position. He gets our heart postured, so it may be speak in a reverent way to hear the Lord, knowing that we need answers to prayer. We need the relationship with him to really be fully alive in Christ. And so this is what we do, but we don't earn it. So you think I've got to get a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, I've got some areas in my life that, you know, or, man, they're just kind of in the pits. I've got to get that right. Yeah, you need to obviously come before the Lord and ask him to cleanse you and fill you. But that does not get your, obviously, the, the right uh, relationship with the Lord necessarily. It's by grace. But you get in a place where you can receive that answer. And there is a distinct dis difference there. But it's very easy. So just remember, you're getting in a place to receive the answer as you come and you want to please the Lord. You want to do what God tells you to do. Remember the story in Acts chapter 9 where Paul, how he received his healing for his eyes. Remember, he was struck down on the road to Damascus. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting the church. And Paul was going on the road to Damascus and Jesus had uh, a job for him to do. Struck him down. He's blind. Uh, and you remember what he said? He told God, Jesus told him, he said, go to uh, and go in the city and see a man named Anamias. A man named Anamias. And uh, he, he'll lay hands on you. You'll get your sight back. Remember, what if Paul had said, no, I'm going over here instead of over here. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to go over here to another city and so forth because this is what I want to do. He may not have received his sight, and that's, that could be true. But what did he do? He was obedient to the Lord. And what happened? He received his sight, right? Remember what happened there? And remember the blind man in John chapter 9? Jesus spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. Remember, it's kind of a strange way of healing his eyes, right? You know, Jesus spits on the ground, and some people would say, ooh, gross. Who would want to put that on my eyes, right? You'd say that. Jesus operates in ways, again, to see whether or not you'll have faith. He does some things that are not exactly, you know, the way we would do it, right? You know, but he did that. And remember, he spat on the man's eyes. And remember what he said? He told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Remember what he did? Remember, supposedly, if that man had not gone to the pool and washed, like Jesus said, would he have still received his sight? I don't think so. My opinion is he probably wouldn't. But why? He was obedient to the Lord. So God tells you something to do. You really get impression. You go forth and you begin doing that. And then all of a sudden, you know, miracles start to happen because you were obedient to the Lord. 
But so often God is speaking. And again, we need to hear him and we need to follow through. Because when Jesus heard from the father, he went forth and he did what the father told him to do. And what happened? Supernatural miracles took place. It's the same with us. That's why we can be effective in our prayer life if we're obviously obedient to the father. And we have that relationship with him. He says, and again, in verses 18 through 24, my little children, let let us not love, love in word or tongue, but indeed in truth. So that's talking about our behavior. That's talking about being doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And by this, we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So we need to live that way. Amen. And so um, we see here we need to have a clear conscience. OK. The reason why people can do things that they're doing, and obviously there are uh, situations happening right now in the news, and you're wondering how can that be, is because obviously they have a seared conscience. Because that person may not be saved to begin with, but even if you're saved, you can dis disobey the Lord over a period of time, and I believe it sears your conscience to where you don't have the conscience that you would be otherwise. Your conscience is a protective way of God protecting you against sin. So if you have sin in your life and you have a guilty conscience, more than likely, you're not going to pray with confidence. You're not going to pray with expectation. But how do you remedy that? You go to the Lord and confess it to him and repent and say, Lord, come to you. Forgive me for this. I believe that's there. You show me that. And I ask you to forgive me and ask you to cleanse me and to heal me and to restore me. And then you go forward with confidence that God is going to hear your prayers with a with a you got to have a clear conscience. You got to have that. And so it's very important that God, you understand this. And certainly the the obviously the real salvation produces fruit that's loving, joyful in God and full of God's peace. If there's no desire to live godly, then obviously I'd be shaking in my boots. I know we, we sin, we stumble and fall. But if there's no desire down deep in my core of my being to obey God, then I need to question whether or not I've really been saved and born again. But if you have that down in your in your being and you're convicted of things when you stumble and fall and you go to the you run to the Lord and, and ask forgiveness and your one desire is that I want to please the father I, down and deep in my life. And your life is that I desire to have that relationship with with the Lord God Almighty. Then obviously I believe you can walk with that clear conscience. If God shows you something then you need to obviously confess it and then move on here. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, Paul says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I forget these things in the past or under the blood. Many people live in the past. Many people continue to refer back to the mistakes, the sins that they've had in their past. They've asked God to forgive them, but obviously God has already forgiven them. And sometimes we can't forgive ourselves when we can't forgive ourselves. Many times our conscience is not clear. So therefore, we don't have confidence that God is going to actually answer our prayers. We don't have any expectation. God's saying we're not to live like that. We are to live knowing he's going to answer our prayers. There are things in here today, I'm sure, have already come to your mind that you feel like you'd like to bring before the Lord. I encourage you, go before the Lord with them, whatever it may be, healing, salvation for family members or, or whatever it is, restoration that you need, whatever it may be. Pray for this country. We need prayer. They need prayer. Our authorities need prayer more than ever. They need prayer. And you think that you don't see anything happening that's good in a positive way? Don't give up. 
Because much of what I'm saying here, many times those prayers don't come just automatically and all of a sudden, boof, you know, it takes time. It takes persevering prayer. And that's what this is all about. Why? It's because it's a relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's a relationship that He wants. Because if I just got an answer to my prayer immediately, then all of a sudden I would actually just kind of move away and say, I got my answer. Bing, that's it. And I'll go do my own thing. Isn't that humanity? Isn't that how we work in our humanness? But if we persevere, we press into God, then we know that obviously that relationship continues to develop. And then we see that answered prayer. So how do we do it? First of all, we understand it's possible to do it. We've got to understand this is possible. This is possible to pray with confidence that we have the prayers that we ask for under the circumstances, knowing God can correct us. Paul told Timothy to, quote, war a good warfare and hold faith and a good conscience. First Timothy chapter one. And then again, first Timothy chapter three, the mystery of faith with a pure conscience. Certainly here, Peter talks about having a good conscience talking about. It. So it's possible. Everybody agree with that? It's possible, right? It's the word. The second thing here is how we do it is we deal with any accusing conscience through the blood of Jesus. We ask God to forgive us of that offense. Said something ill to someone, ask God to forgive us. Ask God to cleanse us of that. And then we move on. The devil says you need to get back, back down there on your knees and stay down there because that's where you belong. God's not going to hear your prayers. You did this way back then. You've asked forgiveness. You don't really completely, did God really forgive me and so forth? And then what do you do? You have no confidence. You know, have no expectation in your prayers. In John chapter 15, it says this. I am, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Again, that, that term, abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You believe that. Nothing of spiritual significance will take place apart from Jesus. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Then he says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciple. You abiding in him. Isn't that great? If you abide in me here. So there's confidence in that. Confidence, abiding, and then answered prayer, actually. Most of all, how, what does abide mean? Real quick. First of all, it's in the mind. I was always talk about it. This is the battleground. It abides in him. We obviously, this, we need to keep our thought life straight. If your thought life condemns you, conscience, then you're not going to expect God to do anything. But when your thought life, your mind is the battleground, most of all here in our will, we can choose what we can think about or not. Did y'all know that? You can choose what you think about. You can, th you can choose what you dwell on. I could say it like that. Obviously, thoughts will come and many times the enemy will throw those flaming arrows and it will come at us and hit us. And then all of a sudden we're depressed. We go down because somehow we become it seems to be we're hopeless. But our mind is a battleground. So we choose what we obviously think about and dwell upon. So keep the mind dwelling upon the Lord. You know, Isaiah 26, three, one of my favorite, he says he'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Everybody know that scripture, right? 
He'll keep him in perfect peace. When we get away from peace, why is that? When we're obviously going through and we're panicking or anxiety or whatever, why is that? It's because why? And everybody know what I'm saying. Is your mind is not stayed upon Jesus. You've gotten off track. Remember when Peter got out of the boat? And he said, Lord, remember he's walking on the water. Jesus, they saw, he saw Jesus coming towards him. Remember? And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, let me come to you. And Jesus said, come. He got out of the boat. He started walking towards Jesus. And what happened? He got his eyes off of Jesus. His mind was not stayed upon thee. His mind was not on the Lord. And what did he do? He sank. Now, Jesus didn't let him drown. He picked him up. Praise God. And he doesn't let us drown. But he obviously will let us experience some of the anxiety and the things that are happening in our world today. Because if you dwell upon what they are saying on the media, let me tell you, you're going to be afraid eventually. Do not obviously do that. Do not allow that to get in your mind. Do not allow the present situation and what we see where there are different things that are happening that are against the will of God, obviously in this country and around the world, to captivate your heart. Because if not, you will not have peace. It starts right there. And we'll never be able to, we'll never even pray. Because why? Because we're so absorbed with fear and anxiety. We'll go and we forget to pray. And that's where the power is. We need to pray. We need to keep our minds upon the Lord. And keep, keep your eyes upon His promises here. And His grace here. He also guard our conscience and take care and not to violate it. We need to obviously stay close to the Lord. And, and we know sometimes what happens is, is you look at other people and they're doing something that, you know, you wouldn't do. And you begin to look more at what they're doing than your own. If it violates your conscience, don't do it. It may not be violating that person's conscience because we're all at different places in our walk with the Lord. But don't worry about that. You take care because, see, we're only responsible for ourselves and our relationship with the Lord. We're not responsible for other people and what they're doing or how they're responding and so forth. I believe, too, maybe and even at this time that God obviously has given us an opportunity to grow up in Christ, to mature in Christ, because I believe there are people out here that are Christians that are not actually stepping out and and walking in that like God will want them to be. But maybe just maybe as God begins to pour his spirit out, that that growth process will take place. And I believe it will be it will be quickly as that growth takes place. God does that if we're willing. We pray for him. Have confidence certainly here. And so here the second point is habitually abiding in God's presence. We need to, to do that on a regular thought in our thought life here. We need to talk also Second Corinthians chapter 10. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in pulling down of the strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Do you realize the word of God is true? And it says you can take every thought captive. You can grab that thought. It's not, is it of God? You can test it real quick. It's fast, you know. We have a computer here, right? Everybody knows this is a computer. It's fast. I've got more whatever the uh, term is as far as the, the downloading and all that stuff out there. I know nothing about that in practical, but I know my mind's a computer. And I know I can take that thought and captive and say, no, this is not of God. Fear's not of God when you hear this. Or what, whether somebody's saying something negative about this and that. Or maybe it's a lie. You go, that's not of God. And captivate that. Take that thought and say, nope, that's not it. Because that's what it's saying. To take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And you think, well, how do you do that? 
Because there are a lot of thoughts that I think in a day's time, thousands upon thousands here, it's about self-discipline. The Christian life is about self-discipline. Look, we are in God's army. Do you know you and I should be walking in the discipline of the Lord? We're soldiers of the cross. Amen. And we know that soldiers are disciplined. You know, I uh, visited many over my tenure with hospice over the years with many families that had um, young people that were going into the armed services. And I would talk to them. I would because I was interested in they're going over. Maybe it was Iraq at that time or or whatever. They're going to serve. They they had a burning desire. It was their calling. And I would talk to them and I could see that it was their calling to do this. And I thought, how do you do this? I would ask them, how do you do this? You know, it's dangerous and you know that there's a great discipline that's going to take place. You've got to go to boot camp. You've got to go uh, go through all this training. You've got to do this and so forth. But everyone I talked to, I'll be honest with you, they wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, it was a discipline in their lives like I've never seen. But see, we are soldiers of the cross and we have to be disciplined in our lives in the same manner. And so when we fight this war, we need to take those weapons with your prayer and this prayer that I'm talking about today and pull those strongholds down because there's strongholds all around us today in people's lives and in our society, our culture. And it happens through prayer. That's the weapon. They're not guns. They're not obviously these big ships and so forth. It actually is prayer. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not like the world. The weapon is prayer. And we need to intercede like we never have before. Standing in the gap. Nancy talked about it this morning. Standing in the gap and interceding. Praying for one another. Pray for our church. Pray for our communities. Pray for our city. Pray for our officials today. The Bible says pray for those in authority. You see, that's our weapon today. But we've got to be disciplined. I've got to be disciplined. I've got to realize today we are in a war today. And it's war for our lives, certainly, but for our children's lives and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and the generations that come after you and I. That's what it's all about. And prayer is the answer. Prayer is the key. And we don't give up. Why? It's because those soldiers didn't give up. When those people were over there in Afghanistan and they were left behind enemy lines, I heard somebody say, you know, those soldiers, when they were still there, if they'd gotten the command to go in there and get all those people out of there, those soldiers would have did that, that exactly that. They would have went in there and done that, you see. They didn't throw the towel in. And we can't either. And the weapons we have are more powerful than the most powerful weapons that are created on this earth today. And it's prayer. It's pulling those strongholds down. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, we don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and darkness in high places today. There are obviously rulers in darkness over cities, over this nation today, wanting to pull this nation down. And you and I have the answer. His name is Jesus. You and I have this answer, prayer. And we've got to have confidence in prayer. We've got to believe that God is here in our prayers. And to have that, we've got to have a clear conscience. We've got to know that these things are happening. We've got to have that expectation that God's going to do something in this country like we've never seen before. Because see, the only answer is Jesus. And I could say that a million times if I don't believe it and expect it and believe it. And let me tell you, there are times when I'm like, good Lord, I believe. Help my you know, unbelief. 
because I see it and it looks like, Lord, it's getting worse and worse and darker and darker and more evil and more evil today. And you see, God is saying, we have the answer. And we can make it happen when we believe and we trust in Him. Confidence in our prayers that God is working. It's the only way, church. It's the only way. You know, I can waver and, and so forth and get flabby. Okay? Spiritually. But we need to tighten our belts. And we need to pray. Because that's the only, the only way. You see, Jesus' passion was your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Psalm 37, 4, listen. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself. Get in line with Him. Obey His commands. Have your one desire to please Him. That brings us back. Why do we have church? <laughs> so, you can, so you can get up here and hear me preach. No, it's not that necessarily. It's about obviously sharpening our faith and our sword. And the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. The Word of God is piercing. It's alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword so we can hear the Word that pierces to the very conscience, the very marrow, the very core of our being. So we can be stirred in our faith. And we can go out of this place again, renewed in our faith, renewed in our vision that God Almighty is going to do something. Our neighbors, our children are going to be affected by our prayers. Don't ever doubt it today. Maybe you're not seeing it totally like what you want. God convicted me. I was running this morning. He said, Jim, you need to pray. You need to pray for family. You need to pray for the churches today. You need to pray for our culture today. And pray like you never have before. And I had a new renewed confidence. I said, Lord, yes, I pray that my family would all come to salvation in Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, the people that I have contact with in the church and in the community would come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I believe, obviously, if I really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, there's only two places you go. And I don't want anybody going to that other place. I want people to know life and know it more abundantly. That's what Jesus said. Answered prayer is most important. He'll give you desires of your heart. Delight yourself in this in John 15, 7. Here is that you are delighting yourself in God, not just uh, using him, but delighting in him. Your desires are right and God can fulfill those desires. And, and I don't care, obviously, the interpretation of how you delight yourself in the Lord. And so how does that start? It starts by making a decision in your life. My life. It takes my obviously resolution in my heart and saying it's going to be so in my life. And it may be that it takes me to come back again and again to this and so forth, but I will not get off of it. Okay, how about you? I will not obviously stray. I may stray, but I'm coming back and I'm not giving up. And I'm not giving up on what God is doing in our culture today. I'm not giving up on the things that we're seeing happening today. People need Jesus Christ. And we're here. We have the obviously answer. And people need to know the truth. 
Because the truth will set him free. Don't you want that for everybody? Confident. Have a clear conscience. Something kind of snagging. You go before the Lord. Just ask him, Lord, forgive me. I confess to you it's wrong. Something's not right. Confess to me that I've been lackadaisical. I've been sort of laissez-faire with this Christian walk and so forth. And I want a passionate desire for you. Do you know that's the way it begins? Is ask the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that stirs it in you. He sets the fire. Say, I want to be on fire for Jesus. I want to know Him. I believe that somehow I'm not just there, but I want to be. And I'm not going to give up until I'm obviously at that place. But see, You'll never come to that. That's the paradox about it. You'll continue to seek the Lord and seek Him and seek Him and you'll find Him. He says, seek, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. You'll find Him. But then you'll go, but there's more. There's more, Lord. There's more, more, more. Until one day, we face Him face to face. That's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus, the old Him. That's what life is all about. Don't, don't give up on your prayers. Don't back down because you haven't seen immediate answers. Remember, the golf club, Tom hits it perfectly. I don't. Right, Tom? He hits it perfectly. I don't. Practice, practice, practice. God will fine-tune as you go through life, and he'll find, he'll say, okay, here it is. But you've got to begin. Can today be a begin for all of us? You've got to step out. I was this morning, felt like an impression. I don't know if it was the Lord from the Lord or not, but I felt like the Lord says that if you take the first step, then I'll show you the way. With, with the Lord, He doesn't show you the full thing, does He? Now, thank God He doesn't, because he, he knows what will happen in our life. We'd probably be scared to death, wouldn't we, so to speak? But if you'll take that first step with Him, He'll put light on your path that you'll see the next step and the next step. But see, first of all, you've got to take that first step. You've got to commit to him. Can we do that today? Those of you watching, maybe you can commit to prayer. You see, God's army is made up of all backgrounds. You know, say all Christians, the cross centrality, not just any religion, but Christianity with the cross being central. Jesus Christ, obviously being resurrected from the dead and lives. And the only Savior of the world. But all who believe in Him and put their faith and trust in Him can call upon Him and make a difference in our world today. We're making that difference. Don't give up. That light is going to shine. There's going to be a breakthrough. And many of you know, obviously, at some point, there'll be a bam. There'll be a breakthrough that will come. And you'll go, wow, I didn't realize it. But it means persevering right now. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray and thank you and glorify your name. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day you've given us. May Jesus be praised. May he be honored. And dear God, today we ask you to stir our prayer life, our relationship with you, Lord. We want that deep, intimate walk with you every day. We want to hear your voice. We ask you to speak. We ask you, Lord, that we pay attention. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And dear Lord, today, help us to respond in obedience. We ask you, Lord, today, if something else is taking our pla- your place in our lives, that we know that uh, we're living to please some- something else or somebody else or whatever. We ask you, Lord, today, that that right now be turned around. 
and we want to please you completely, totally, without any reservation, Lord, to please you. So, Lord, come and do that in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to work that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we bless you and praise you. And thank you for this time together. Thank you for those that are watching, have seen, or will see. We pray, Father, today. We follow hard after you. Father, today, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, your forgiveness. Your power in our lives. Pray this week we go forth in your power and your might. Help us to pray. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And we pray that today. Ask you to bless those who are watching, those who are here. If decisions need to be made about Jesus, today would be the day that they just surrender their lives to Christ. If somebody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, today would be the day. Just fill us with your spirit, O oh God. We pray and surrender and say, take full control of our lives as we truly surrender our hearts and lives to Jesus. Thank you, Father. Healing, deliverance, whatever it may be, Jesus is the answer. We ask these things in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you come back next week and join us. It's going to be again in the series on prayer. I pray each one of you be blessed. Pray this week. Let God fine tune that if you need to obviously uh, practice like we all do. But also just know God hears you and he wants us to come before him expecting great things. Have a blessed week. Amen.